Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. All right, my friend, welcome, welcome. I'm Dana. This is Words That Move Me. I'm stoked you're here. This is a good one. It left a big giant smile on my face and uh, a, a big warmth uh, to my heart. Talking with this week's guest, Michael Wilson, never leaves me feeling anything else but lit up. I don't know how, how else to say it. And he does define himself as a fire starter. So I shouldn't be surprised by that, by that feeling, um, feeling ignited, feeling simultaneously lifted and grounded. I think that is what you will walk away from this episode feeling. Cannot wait to introduce you to Michael and share this conversation with you. But first, we're going to do some wins. I start every episode off with wins. This week is no different. Today, I am celebrating a pretty massive win, I must admit. Uh, two of the films that I worked on in recent years, Elvis, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, and Pinocchio, directed by Guillermo del Toro, are both nominated for Oscars in multiple categories. Um, but specifically, I'm super proud of Austin Butler, who I was the pre-production movement coach for. Austin and I worked together for about nine months before he went out to shoot in Australia, where Polly Bennett took over as movement coach and did an absolutely fantastic job. If you haven't already, please go out and see Elvis on a screen as big as possible. I, I hope you will love it. I, I certainly did. I'm tremendously proud of my work and Austin's work on the project. So I'll be rooting for you, Mr. Butler, at the Oscars this year. And I'm also super proud to be a part of the choreography team on Pinocchio. I specifically was responsible for the crickets movement. Um, you'll, you'll notice a song and dance at the end of the film. Uh, I do also have, and I'll link to in the show notes, with permission from production, was was able to share a little side-by-side -side of me dancing my material and Mr. Sebastian J. Cricket getting down in his top hat and cane. Um, really, really cool. Two Oscar-nominated films in one year. I have got to just say, wow. If you'd told my 16-year-old self that, I would not have believed it. So celebrating and uh, tooting my own horn today. I just can't say the word tooting and take myself seriously. That's obnoxious. Toot, toot, everybody. Um, anyways, that's me, a celebration of working on top tier world-class teams. Um, oh, and celebrating getting a call from Jillian Myers. While I pick this up, you go. Tell me what's going well in your world. Jillian is almost here, and congrats on your win. I am so glad that you're winning. I am rooting for you, um, and I, I cannot think of a guest who is more appropriate to segue out of a wins section than Michael Wilson, who just might be the most resilient, the most celebratory person I have ever met. Truly seems like nothing can get him down, even though in this episode, as you will hear, he is a human who lives a full life. He is not living it 100% of the time. In this episode, Michael shares about his more than one near-death experiences, but he goes in-depth on one of them, and it's, I'm telling you, you can't not be moved by Michael and his story and his, his perseverance, his focus, his faith, and his accountability for his own greatness. Uh, so I am very excited to share this conversation with Michael Wilson. Enjoy. 
my friend, my dear friend, my brother from another mother, perhaps. We do share a last name, don't we? We do. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, my friend. This is long overdue. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Heart is already full, just seeing your face. Jazz shoes. Jazz shoes. Wait a second. Okay, I, I, you live in my phone under the, the name Shawty, S-H-A-W-T-Y. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> Shawty. And you call me Jazz Shoes, and we have known each other for so long that I genuinely cannot trace the, the history of those nicknames. Jazz Shoes came from my performance as a mime, right? No, Jazz Shoes came because my grandmother gave me some <gasps> that's shoes right. that you wanted to wear to jazz. That's right. But she, wait, no, your grandmother gave me the shoes that I said, these would be perfect for jazz. Yeah. And I did wind up wearing them for my performance as Mimi the Mime in Rhapsody's. That is wild. Thank you. My girl is not even alive anymore, but you have her shoes. Michael. Isn't that I'm so sorry for that loss. That, well, the, the, the passing off of things is fascinating to me. And, uh, human connection and the ways that we are woven together is fascinating to me. And I feel very honored to be in possession of those jazz shoes. <laughs> it's so funny. And I didn't know you wore them for Rhapsody's thing. I sure did. And they were perfect. They are great jazz shoes. <laughs> that is so fun. I don't even, I don't even know where you saw them though. Like, I don't I, know if I was, you wear them. I must have been at your house way over on, on Lancashire. You used to live off of Lancashire, right? Yeah, but my grandmother... I wouldn't she wouldn't have, have been there? Up there, no. So I don't know where you saw them. I genuinely, I am at a loss. I don't That's know. Really I don't understand. Like, did she wear them and you made a comment and then she gave them to you? Oh, that's possible. That has I, am, I am very complimentary of, of people's apparel and items. It has to be that because she wouldn't have anything at my but feet. I don't think I would have accepted the shoes off a of grandmother's feet I don't, I don't think, think they I... were right in the moment though I think like she gave them to you at a later another time <laughs> this episode is called jazz shoes because you wouldn't have anything at my place just lying around like right that right all. and it's not like we went to her place because she lived in like an hour away so there's no way that's the only thing that makes sense. Yo, it's a true mystery. We could start a we could start a spin-off podcast just to solve this mystery. It is a mystery because I truly don't understand how it got to that point. And we may never know. Nope. All right. Well, we definitely don't know now because she's not here. So we, we definitely don't. Maybe maybe Ava was there. Maybe she would remember. I don't know. I don't know. Ava Ava can't even do two things at once. <laughs> She is a single focus kind of person. And and I think that's an asset, actually. I do think that's a strength. Like Ava, like, oh my God, her driving and doing anything. Ava, just give her one oh, no. two at a time. That's it. <laughs> one task. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of driving, that reminds me of a funny story about you. But we're getting sidetracked. Let's go back to the beginning where I welcome you to the podcast. And then I ask you to do something very difficult. Very well, not I guess everybody has their own ideas about whether this is hard or not, but I would love, Michael, since you are such a great many things, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us everything you want us to know about you. Yeah. Well, my name is Michael Wilson, the one and only. Mm -hmm. Some people call me Mighty, but I got that nickname when I was half dead. So there's a story behind it. Uh, I'm a California native. I am an entertainer, author, and motivational speaker. I've danced for a lot of people's favorites. I dance for Jesus all the time. And uh, more importantly, I'm just a person who values people. I value integrity. And I believe that all of the cool things I've gotten to do in my life um, are vehicles to carry who I am and what I have to offer beyond talent. I don't find my identity in what I do. I find my identity in who I am and uh, I share it through what I do. And I think we all possess that power when we're aware. So with that being said, I'm also a light reformer. I'm a little bit of a fire starter because I'll get you going, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not walking you through the process. I'm going <laughs> to just get you going. Uh, and that's about it. I come from nothing and turned into something. 
Uh, I'm always positive, but I probably go through more challenges than the normal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's typically the case for anyone who's positive, upbeat, and motivating. We deal with a lot and we choose to be inspiring. We choose joy. Um, we're just not always joyous because nobody is. I mean, because we're human beings. Life is life and the world is the world. But we have options. And my option is always motivation. My op- option is always faith. And my option is always a little craziness. Oh, I love this as options. And I do, I so agree. I don't think, I don't think joy, although it is pretty baked into American culture, this, this right to be happy and this, uh, we should be happy or if, if we aren't, something must be wrong. I think that can be harmful. I do. I, I love thinking that joy is always an option or love is an option. Or like you said, motivation is an option. Faith is an option. Um, yes, all options, but I do. I, I love balance, Michael. I love that. Not every day I'm motivated. Dragon ass is kind of refreshing. Sometimes mm-hmm. if I was a hundred miles an hour, Monday through Sunday, Oh man, I don't know. You you did call yourself a fire starter, but I think if I was a hundred miles an hour every day of the week all the time, I would probably be burning more bridges than building them. So I think modulation and pace and performance is important, especially as a creative person, that we can't be like pouring out and filling cups all the time. Sometimes we sit empty and feel what that feels like. So that we can become full and feel what that feels like. I'm I'm here for all of it, man. Yeah, it's just nice to have, uh, it's knowing what lens to put on. Mm. Because I value all parts of life, even the parts I hate. Okay, shall yeah. we talk about it? Are you, question, does any part of you enjoy telling your near-death story? Is it hard for you to tell it to tell it still, or are you? No, it's not hard for me to tell it. And I don't actually mind telling it. It's just not the only near-death experience I've had. Interesting. But I've almost died four times in my life. I was not aware. I was mm-hmm. aware that you're a very resilient person. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the first person my age or slightly younger to almost die in the hospital's care. Um, mm-hmm. Like to to be under daily medical supervision and hanging on by a thread. I remember going to visit you in the hospital and you telling me something that stayed with me forever. And actually I thought about you this morning. I was listening to an episode of, of a podcast and <laughs> the guest was saying, oh, is that some, some burrito place in Los Angeles? And the host was like, Chipotle. <laughs> and they were saying that to, to make a joke. <laughs> but it reminded me of you because that day that I went to visit you, you had graduated to feeding yourself, yep. but you were eating ice chips. And you looked at me and you said, Dana, I know that this sounds crazy because I'm eating ice chips right now, but this doesn't taste like ice chips. It tastes like chip, like Chipotle. Yeah, This ice chip tastes like actual Chipotle. You were in bliss. Yeah. Um, do you remember that chapter of, of your time there well? Or is it yeah, I remember it almost descriptively. I don't remember people's individual stories mm-hmm. because what I've gathered from that experience is that experience wasn't for me as much as it was for every person who got to encounter me um, through it. So mm-hmm. I actually do not remember people's individual stories or what stuck out stood out to them because that really was for them. Mm-hmm. But I remember almost everything from it. If someone brings it up, I recall instantly. And mm-hmm. I probably know the reason why that was my mindset. Because my mindset was unstoppable um, mm-hmm. during that trial. Like mm-hmm. I was, I only had one moment when my faith had sort of collapsed. And it was just at the tail end of it when you're like, this is ridiculous. But the mm-hmm. for the most part, the beginning my mind was stable. My heart was stable. My faith was stable. My body just wasn't responsive as it should have been. Hmm. Can you tell people what was it medically that had happened and what left you in that circumstance? Yeah, what happened to me was a rarity. The hmm. doctors still can't explain it. It does happen to some people and animals. 
um, in which my small intestine twisted like a tornado spontaneously, so much so that it started to obstruct. And basically that means to explode from the inside out. And I had to have 16 feet of the 21 feet removed because it twisted up and (laughs) I looked pregnant. I went from a six pack to like, I looked like I was having quadruplets. And so uh, that's what happened on the inside. But then after something so traumatic, what happens is I ended up in a coma for four days. Um, I almost died during the first two, uh, first initial incident. And then during the second surgery, Mm -hmm. I also suffered uh, heart failure. My heart worked at less than 30% for a while. I couldn't eat by mouth. I'm technically not supposed to be able to eat or drink water by mouth. I'm supposed to be on a permanent intravenous line connected to my heart to receive nutrition. I'm supposed to be on tons of medication. Um, My weight went to 105 pounds. I had seven blood transfusions. I ended up with four major surgeries and you're looking or listening to an actual Bible-like miracle because I wasn't unhealthy. I've never done one drug. I've never smoked anything. I don't drink now, but even at the time I was like barely drank. Um, I ate healthy. I'm a dancer. I'm an athlete. It made no sense. The doctor still can't explain it. My recovery um, can't be explained unless you're a person of faith like I am. And so it's all quite amazing because I love, I love, uh, love knowing that about me. So what happened was a rarity. My recovery is a miracle. And here we are today. You are truly singular, my friend, in every way. And I'm so grateful to have known you before that moment, through that moment. And I agree, it did happen to you, but for you and for me um, to be so young and to be face to face with mortality like that certainly had me taking stock and finding gratitude um, for myself, my body, my friendships, and the ability to do this thing that we love to do with our bodies for a living. That was massive. Um, but I think the most remarkable part of it was your recovery that seemed to lead you directly to some pretty massive goals. Like, I don't know, I don't remember your goals well enough before that incident to say like, oh, dancing with Justin Bieber is what he always wanted to do. But I'm I'm pretty sure you always wanted to tour, like big pop star tour, and you hadn't before that moment, but you did shortly after. Um, Do you think that that incident played heavily into your ability to manifest and and cultivate like I don't not to sound cheesy but like make your own dreams come true (laughs) actually no I think that I think that that situation allowed me to display what I always preach about I always Mm -hmm. talk about faith I always talk about God healing you and I always talk about pushing through obstacles and overcoming obstacles And I got to live it out in the most (laughs) traumatic way ever because, um, you know, what I love about obstacles is that you get to see who you actually are. We all say what we will do if we're in the situation. If that was me and my, Mm -hmm. I would never, and I would, but you don't know what you'll actually do until you're in this position. And once I was in the position I love how my soul and my spirit responded because oftentimes it was beyond what I could explain. And it definitely was opposite of what I was physically experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things, you know, like I was on my deathbed, but I would sing and I'm not even mm-hmm. allowed to talk technically because it was abdominal surgery, but I'm singing to all the patients healing, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to learn to walk again. And I'm using it to walk to the other patients' rooms to pray. You know, I could have been miserable. I could have just accepted Mm -hmm. defeat. I could have just stayed depressed. But as much as I could through the tears, because it's not like I wasn't crying and vomiting and everything, but through Mm -hmm. it all, I made my nurses laugh. I became friends with my doctors. 
I had a Laker party where everyone wore purple and gold. I still wore my cool shoes and sometimes a hat with that stupid ass robe. You know, yep, like I remember I this. See, That's I, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, I got to see what was really on the inside and if the information I had was going to cultivate into wisdom or not, or was it just information? You know, it was it was information turned into wisdom through the experience. And to answer your question, when you go through something so traumatic and you realize that not even death can stop you, then everything else you're pressing for is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I don't say it was my driving force is because one thing about me is that I went to college first. I studied communications and minored in political science. I never wanted mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur growing up. And I started dancing at 23 years old, which is actually absurd. And I didn't know it was ridiculous to do that until it was too late to quit. You know, I was... <laughs> By the oh, time I, I love found- not not too late to start, but too late to quit. Oh, I love yeah, that. I was, yeah, I was. I had been in it too long, and I said, "Oh my God, it's too late to quit." So I have no choice but to move forward. And uh, so, with that being said, I entered the industry to be exactly who I am—to be a light, to be someone who's different, to not lose my values and my sense of integrity and who I am as a man for the sake of. Uh, networking or desiring jobs. I've never changed who I was. Like if you talk to anybody who's known me before I was in entertainment, they'll say I'm exactly the same, obviously just a little wiser because I'm older. So it didn't drive my goals, but it reaffirmed everything that I believed. And it reestablished on the next level that what's inside of me are the right things that I had really worked on myself, that I had really invested in myself, not my abilities, not my goals or my dreams, but I had really invested in my heart, my mindset, who I am as a man, because when shit hit the fan, you, I got to see, wow, I really am this person. I really do have faith. I really am positive, but you don't find that out until you're in a negative situation. Mm-hmm. Totally stripped of all the extra, the comforts, the 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 paraphernalia of life, the gigs, the titles, mm-hmm. the friend groups, the the, the appearance, yeah. the appearances. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but my one of my most recent guests, the first guest of 2023, was Vincent Patterson, who mm. also started dancing at 23. It's so late. <laughs> it, it relatively, yeah. I mean, I started at actual three. Like three. <laughs> I love actual three. <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild, but it works. And I think that's it's it's excellent for people to have examples of that, not only for dance, but for other areas of interest. If mm-hmm. you're 23 right now and been dancing since you were actual three, but you might be interested in, I don't know, graphic design, interior design, uh, social justice, 23 yep. is nobody's too late for anything. I think it's... No. It's wonderful to have an example like you. So thank you for that. Yeah, you can start whenever you want. Like I think what, whoever started KFC, he started that at 65. Harrison Ford was acting after 30. Like you can do what you want to do. You just have to be committed enough to do it. Do it. Um, I want to shine a little light on one of my favorite. You mentioned that people that knew you before dance would say that nothing's changed. And I would like to illuminate an early version of Michael that I met, and that was class taking Michael, and class class Michael certainly hasn't changed, even now that you're like very busy, always working Michael, and it's I hey, every lid has a jar is what my mom would, or every jar has a lid that's that's it mm-hmm. every jar has a lid, every person has their way and their taste, but you and I are very similar class takers, very verbal in our feedback. If a question is so verbal, if a question is asked, you will hear my voice and body respond. From across the room. From across the back of the room, the side of the room, in the hallway maybe. If a question Mm -hmm. is asked, you will be hearing my feedback. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the class taker that you are and the class takers that you value now that you're somebody who's teaching more often. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a crazy class taker. I believe that whatever it is we're doing, especially if you are striving for greatness, it's our responsibility to ensure it's fun. Mm. And so when I take class, I'm typically super silly in the beginning mm. because I have to establish the atmosphere I want. I don't come up under the atmosphere that's in the room. I create the atmosphere that helps me to stay positive, that is motivating for me, and that's typically lose your goddamn mind. So I, I have fun, and I'm crazy, and I'm kooky. I believe in interacting with people. I believe in responding to your teachers to show you value them, that you honor them, to show you that you're with them, and to show that, hey, I paid for this because I believe you have something for me, but it's mm. also the student's job to pull it out of the teacher instead of just expecting the teacher to entertain you. I don't expect my teacher to entertain me. I expect myself to be brave enough to pull out everything I paid for or I, I, or I can get from the room. And, mm -hmm. and so I, that's my focus. I start silly. I ask questions through that interaction and for particularly dance, if it's difficult towards the end, I'll get a little bit more serious. And maybe the last 20 minutes, I dial it in. I, mm -hmm. pull, I, I, I become more internal and I mm -hmm. focus. I focus to make sure that what I've been learning is sticking and that I can really execute it so that by the end, I know exactly where I'm at. I know exactly what I still need to work on. And I know exactly what questions I can have afterwards. Mm. But if you're just in class wild the entire time, you don't get to sharpen your skills. Mm -hmm. But if you only go in with a skill mindset, you don't get to experience the freedom of your authenticity and your raw talent of who you are that no one else can be. Mm. And so as a class taker, I think all of that matters. And I look for that in students, but more so I look for people who are unafraid to be themselves who are unafraid to need help and mm. those who um, are willing to establish greatness because a lot mm. of people settle, settle for mediocrity right now. Oh, I hear that. One of the, actually, yeah, the, probably the second thing that I remember most about you in class, other than that you were vocal and, and giving feedback, was that you very graciously asked for and accepted help. Like mm -hmm. to, to, to ask for it again from the top is one thing, but to ask for specifically the choreographer's eyes on you. I remember you saying something like, can you watch and tell me if I'm doing this right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that is a question <laughs> that gives you the upper hand in, in the moment. Like you get, you are, like you said, you're getting every drop of your investment by getting one-on-one -on -one feedback, not about the choreography, but about you doing the choreography and that mm. is such a smart class taker thing to do I, do I certainly know that there's not enough time for all 50 people in a class to do that like to ask for the private like watch this and tell me what's wrong with it moment but you did it after you had tried everything yourself you did it after you had like you know been in your internal lab trying to make it happen and your critical eye said I know that something about that is off but your compassionate words said, you know, are you able to, can you take a look at this really fast? What is going on here that I am not seeing? Um, those weren't your exact words, but I, I remember you doing that and thinking that was so smart. I mean, it's just also great because, you know, a teacher can't get to every student, especially right. if they have a packed class, but every student can sponge everything that's been said in the room. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in class, if someone asks a question, even if I already know the dance, I'm paying attention because I'm not going to wait for the teacher to have to have a one-on-one -on -one with me to get what right. I want either. Right. You know? So right. The goal for you was not a one-on-one. -on -one. The goal for you was like as intimate an understanding of this choreography in relationship to your body as possible. And sometimes yeah. you could achieve that through looking at other people's mistakes and listening to other people's questions. But if you couldn't, you have to be fearless. You have to be compassionate for yourself and respectful of the room and like suss out if this is the time to do that. But right. my friend, you are just so damn charming that it is impossible for anyone to say, no, Michael, figure it out. 
Yeah. It was like, yeah, 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 let me help. Let me help. What's going Except on? Sassandra. Sassandra is the oh, queen. Dang. My kid don't ask me anything. <laughs> you know what? Marty has been there with me before. I will raise a hand. I'm like detailed daddy in class. I just yeah. love, I love a detail. And sometimes mm-hmm. Marty's like, not now. Just uh-huh. no, no, uh-huh. we're not doing, we're not doing that right now. Yeah. And I have to swallow it down and be like, okay, boss. Okay. I'll hold on to it. And of course, usually I wind up answering it for myself. But in my mind, especially with regards to dance, more information equals more better. And I love having the information. So that's yeah. how I operate. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is. Um, okay, question about like professional worky stuff. I know you got to tour. I know you've had your your share of television and fun silver screen times. What's your favorite mode to be working in? Like, what is your favorite place to be working? Is it is it teaching? Is it touring? What can you can you can you name one? I mean, that changes. Like right now, it's hard to get me to do any tour. I turned down three tours last year. I quit a major one and then turned down the next two major ones I was offered. Why? Uh, just for where I'm at and the relationship I'm in, I want to be in LA. I want to be here. Uh, And so for me to tour, it's just a lot of conditions involved Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I would have to go to. I would have to pray a lot. It was just, it was so much involved, but there was a time when I wanted to tour mainly because uh, I like dancing live. Right. It wasn't even first to travel. It's because I actually am such a live entertainer Mm -hmm. and Film and television is different because you're doing a million takes. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've had a very well-rounded career. I've danced for yeah. a lot of pop artists. I've danced for women, men. Uh, I've danced for all the like a lot of the rappers, a lot of the hood hood stuff, you know. Uh, but then a lot of the super commercialized suburban things as well. I've had an extremely well-rounded career, and I gauge my uh, my options. And I make my decisions according to what best serves purpose in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I try to be really sensitive to what life is requiring of mm-hmm. me, not just what my ego is requiring or asking of me. Hence, mm-hmm. 2022, when I was turning down a lot of the flashy jobs, I was supposed to step back and be behind the scenes working with artists and developing them and working on my things outside of dance and that humility, I made the most money I've ever made in 2022, but it was the less, it was the least flashy. My life has been visibility, least. um, mm -hmm. And so with that being said, it's hard to have a favorite because I like Dana, I'm not, I never came in here chasing the spotlight. I never came in here chasing like I have to dance for this artist. It just was like, okay, God, where am I going to have impact today? If that was an elementary school down the street, then that's where I wanted to dance. If it was on stage with Prince or Bieber or Beyonce, then that's where it was. And I and I kept myself humble enough to go either direction because I found value in who I am as a man outside of my work. Mm-hmm. I, I am kind of, my gears are turning and relating this to a recent experience that I had realizing that projects don't only happen in my work. Uh, I mm-hmm. We call like a tour is a project. A film is a project. Oh, what are you working on? Oh, I have this project. I'm doing this, that, that. But like my relationship is a project. It's, my yes. home is a project. Um, mm-hmm. My family is a project. And when I only think about the projects that pay, my experience of the life pie just gets so skinny. It gets so thin. So I've been enjoying giving my brain projects to do that are not industry work. Uh, The podcast is a great example, but really, I mean, interpersonal projects and like me in space, my relationship to myself and my relationship to others. This is like a really fun project to work on. And this is a great conversation. It's reminding me to invest even more in it. And she used the word no to some, to other projects. Cause you know, there's only so much time in a day. And if I'm. Yeah, jobs right now, because of the serious relationship I'm in, 
Mm-hmm. Well, if they ask me to travel, if he can't go with me, I'm not going mm-hmm. because family is a big part, uh, is a big goal of mine right now. Yeah. And since that's a big goal of mine right now, that's what I'm focused on. And I have faith enough that everything else will work itself around it. And it has for me. Like I made the most money I made last year, but I also worked the least amount of hours per week. Exactly. Exactly that. (laughs) Which is, which won't, which won't always be the case, but no. it is a great example of what a scarcity mentality can do and what's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Is like you using the word no, you setting a boundary and protecting it wound up more fruitful and less less demanding, like less hours worked, more money in, and more practice at setting the boundary. I can't see a world in which that is bad. <laughs> no. And you can't, ex- at the end of the day, you can only do so much at once. So whatever you're saying yes to by default makes you say no to something else. And if you look around and what you said yes to didn't carry as much value as what it could have if you said no to it mm-hmm. and said yes to something else, then you're, you'll find yourself in a deficit. So I'm extremely sensitive to that. And like you said, everything is a project because life is so much more than just working and making money. And we know that because when, not just a pandemic, but when anything goes bad, we're not talking about our jobs first. It's almost awkward to post about your job when the world went through a tragedy. So that has, we have to take advantage of those moments to be like, oh, wait, life is so much bigger. Yeah. Life is so much bigger. Now I want all the life. So when it's time to book my job and be a superstar, I will definitely be it. But there's just not the only thing that brings me light or makes me shine. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you for those words, my friend. That's very impactful. This is this is where you put your impact today. Um, okay. I do think, or the, I'm sure you're, you'll go on to other places and do the same, but um, I'm wondering if there's a specific, I mean, obviously you're, you're a very spiritual person, but I'm wondering if there's a specific process that you go through, whether it be prayer or a conversation with your partner or kind of a... I have kind of a check and balance thought process that I work through when I'm making big decisions. And I'm wondering if you have kind of in those do or die decisions where it's like, do I spend the next year of my life on tour or do I stay here and nurture the relationship? Do you have a series of questions you ask yourself? Do you find the answer to that in prayer? Do you find it? What's your process like in those moments? Well, I think it's very important to understand what voices we are listening to. So the first thing I do is I pause and shut the hell up. <laughs> Stop talking. That's, that's step one. Hello. Step two is I am a man of faith. So I, I listen for God's voice first because I don't hear God through a negative voice. I know a lot of people do. And well, if he's good, then this and this and that. But for what I know, and that's a whole separate conversation, his voice is a negative. So I, I listen for that. And then I also establish what my voice is. What am I saying? How do I feel about it? And then I know what neg- the negative voices are. And I immediately kill the negative voices. So I shut the hell up. I listen mm-hmm. for those three voices. And I say, okay, negativity, you got to go. Then I challenge my own voice. Mm-hmm. What part of this is desiring it because it satisfies a, a, a surface pleasure? What part of mm-hmm. this is just satisfying my ego? What part of this is actually propelling me into purpose? Mm-hmm. And once I figure out those voices, obviously you have to humble yourself and get rid of ego. You have to humble yourself and get rid of anything surface. But the parts that you find are pure, then that's when I take it to God and be like, listen, we onto something here. Let's make it happen. And so I do pray a lot, but I don't believe we only have to pray because we're made to be remarkable. So I don't just pray. I also just declare what I want. I say, what do I want my life to look like? A year from now, if I go this route, will I love what I have? Mm -hmm. And if my answer is no, then I have to say no to the opportunity, even if it appears to be amazing, because I have to honor that that part of me that can sense greatness beyond the shine, I have to understand that that part of me is probably turning coals into diamonds. And I, and I embrace that moment. 
and I and and I and then from there I don't think I don't even think I just do what I'm supposed to do because the the other key thing to making hard decisions is having faith enough to know like you said that we are resilient and even if I made the wrong choice I could always fix it I could always apologize I could always say you know what I was wrong I could always try to get the opportunity back. And if the door closed, I could always build something better. Yeah. It's yeah. never over if I'm alive. And that's my mindset yeah. and my process. I think you're spot on in so many or in so few circumstances. Is anything truly, really final? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very few circumstances where an opportunity will go away forever. Yep. <laughs> and is especially because we are builders and we can, we mm -hmm. are creators. So that's, that's remarkable. Thank you for that reminder. Yes. Um, okay. My friend, I, I, we're running towards the end of our time and I, I think you'd be really fun to do a little burnout round with a little rapid fire. Cause you mm -hmm. are such a quick, so quick with the feedback. Um, are you ready for this? I'm going to ask for some favorites and least favorites. Mm -hmm. All right. Favorite song today. Oh, I love, uh, it's this song called, oh crap, what's the song called? It's by Todd Galberth, I believe. And the song is called uh -oh. You Remain. You Remain. Okay, I don't yeah. think I know it. I'm going to go. It's a worship it. song. I Listen, y'all, I really love the Lord. And so <laughs> I spend most of my time right there. I may dance on a rapper, but then be praying at the same time. That's just how it is. I love this duality. This is brilliant. Yeah. Um, what's your least favorite song right now? Something came on the radio that you would actively like power off. Um, I don't even know the fool's name, but like anything with that crazy dude with the tattoos on his face, I guess that's everybody right now. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was just gonna say you're gonna have There's to. The one that. who's like Takashi Six Nine. I I'm not a. I think he's talented actually. But like, if that came on, I'm turning that off. And anything by like Sweetie, a lot of the female rappers, it's just like y'all not giving me what I need. Like, I don't need a lace front, I don't need to steal no niggas' money, and I don't need no new nails. So that's I'm turning that off. So like, <laughs> Sweetie, like all that, I'm not listening to at all. Oh, I'm so glad we're playing this game. What is your favorite dance step, Michael? Mm, I love a jiggle. Just <laughs> show jiggle. me, show me a jiggle. I can't even show a jiggle because I'm standing, but I just like when someone freely lets something move, you know? Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Like if, yeah, Cellul yeah. if Cellulite was a dance move, it would be my favorite. Oh, fuck, Michael. That's the that's the soundbite for the episode. That's what really sells it right there. What is your least favorite step? Like dance step? Mm -hmm. Oh, if I have to jump in the air and hit my legs and then hit the floor. This one. That one? I hate that. Like, don't, oh, ask yeah. me, don't ask me to do no, if it's not contemporary or something extremely abstract and creative, don't ask me to do a somersault of any kind. Like, do not, <laughs> I'm not rolling on the floor unless it actually makes sense. Just the, those <laughs> are no. There's oh, a teacher, I won't say their name, but she had us do a backward somersault to like some hip hop song and I never oh, no. returned to her class. And she's major too, actually. She is like major, but let me tell you, I never went back. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, I love a forward roll. I put them, I just put a forward roll in a piece over the weekend, but it was because I was trying to create a, a, a golf environment on stage. So I had one girl playing golf and the other girl was a golf but ball. So she, she had to do a so forward roll. She was a golf ball. She had to be the hole in one. It was perfect. But it makes sense, Dana. You're creative and your movement is creative and it has life. <laughs> okay, like, I okay. You got to like Cardi B. Like what? Oh, no, thank you. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Okay. I have to tell you also this jump, the hit the knees jump, we did put in In the Heights at during 96,000 in the pool, because I'll tell you what, although that move definitely sucks standing up on dry land, it looks pretty cool when you're doing it in a foot and a half of water. And it looks good it in makes, some tribal. It, it makes good splash. That's true. It there's makes, still, I'm, you know, nothing is final, right? Isn't that what you said? Nothing is, is final. This so is there's no move I will hate all the time. I just feel like some moves are used at the wrong time. I'll tell you what. I have a move that I hate all the time, and it's a freaking – it's kind of like your knee knee jump, um, but it's a C jump. 
And everybody loves a sea jump. Commercials love a sea jump. They're like, they're like, you know what defines dance? Someone jumping, arching back, taking their eyeballs to the ceiling and reaching their hands for their. They think that's what dance is, and I. And I'm guilty of doing one. Oh really? Like by choice? No, I think they asked me to do it. Oh, for sure, someone asked you. Okay. Yeah. No, I I bet you're good at them. I'm not even good at them. It's like. It's like not even a C. It's like a it's a parenthesis, oh. <laughs> like a parenthesis. Parenthesis. Mark. <laughs> I'm gonna call it a parenthesis jump from now on. Okay. Jump. Favorite word? Go. Oh, I don't have one. Oh, actually, my current favorite word is yeet. Like if I like <laughs> something, I'm like yeet. All right. Least yeah, favorite word? Go. Wait, wait, wait. Back up, back up. You said Y E E T, like with a T. Uh-huh. Y-E-E-T. Yeet. Love it. Yeet. Okay. You know what I like about that word? It also looks good in writing. Yeet. It does. Like I'm imagining looking at it and I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. Least favorite word. I think I think twat is just any vulgar word. Oh is, my God. Like, yeah, any vulgar word just is is it just doesn't sit right with me. You know what's funny though? Twat with an English accent, twat. Twat is not so bad. Twat is bad. Like the, the, that's what it is. That's terrible. You're right. Um, Okay. Last one. What is your favorite place to be? In a peaceful mind. Mm -hmm. If you're anywhere and your mind is chaotic, you're not really there. (laughs) And I would ask you, what's your least favorite place to be? But I don't want to end on that note unless it's illuminating somehow. No, I don't. uh, The least my least favorite place to be is out of alignment. There you go. So it's not exactly a location, but it does determine if where you're standing is solid ground or not. Yeah, it is a, that is, alignment is a geographical indication. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I, I hear that. And I'm so glad that our calendars finally aligned and put us mm-hmm. in this conversation today. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you. I'm always hard to do these with because I, ha- I have a little bit of, I have depth. So you can take it like, it can mm-hmm. easily come about life. It's hard to keep it on track to focus on just like career with me. Oh it's, my goodness. It never goes there. Well, what's funny, I mean, it's not funny. What I think is true about our work, our careers, is that because they are artful, because they are about art, and because our medium is a subjective one. It's very hard to not make it personal. It's very hard to only talk mechanics when the actual mechanism of what we do is about our values, our ideas, our aspirations, our feelings. Like the machine that is what we do is fueled by non-mechanical things. So it's hard to not go deep. I'm so glad that you love to. It feels really good to connect with you like this. It's been many, many years. I was so glad to see your face after Marty's class a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, duh, why are we not doing this all the time? Um, I would love to have you back. I think this is, we're scratching the surface, my friend. Yeah, we could cut jazz shoes too. Jazz shoes take the streets. <laughs> Jazz shoes, jazz shoes take the streets. <laughs> that's that's I can, so funny. <laughs> I can see the movie flyer in my mind. Uh-huh. It's okay. Terrible. You you have my you have my word. Uh-huh. And you and and I have your grandma's jazz shoes. Perfect. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Thank you again, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right, my friend. What do you think? Really? Are you not lit up right now? Are you not lifted? Uh, I certainly am. I really loved and wanted to underline what Michael said about showing up for yourself and finding out who you are when things aren't going well. Like, how revealing is that? I think it's an, an important thing to have in mind maybe the next time you're down in the dumps. Are you going to kick yourself while you're down there? Or will you root for yourself? Will you look at yourself? Will you see yourself? And could you be proud of who you are? Could you be compassionate for who you are? I, I really I really loved talking about how you show up 
for yourself when you're down and how you see yourself when you're down, how you talk to yourself when you're down. Um, so this episode will be a, a reminder for me next time I'm feeling in the dumps. My last one was like two days ago. So I think I have a couple days before my next one. Um, anyways, I also loved what Michael said about creating an atmosphere in a room versus coming up underneath it, being subject to it as if it's like, you know, a circumstance like like the weather that you can't change. Um, I love how responsible Michael is for creating his own atmosphere and creating his own future by making decisions in the in the present. It was really nice to hear about how he makes decisions. I am just lit up by this episode. So grateful for Michael. So glad to be sharing uh, his words and his story with you. I will 100% link to Michael, also his book in the show notes to this episode. And uh, with that, my friend, I will send you out into the world. Keep it exceptionally funky. Oh, and definitely, definitely. If you are loving these episodes as much as I am right now, I'm just like, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. And I'm so lit up when I leave this booth, I am lit up. And you know what? I'm going to go leave a review <laughs> for this podcast. But if you are as charged up by these conversations as I am, please consider leaving a review and a rating on Apple or on Spotify, wherever you're listening. It so helps. It helps me get to know you and what you like, but it also helps other people find the pod. Okay, that is it. Go out there. Keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. <laughs> all right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.